0: If you have your Bibles, let's look at Proverbs chapter 10, verses 19 through 21, as we read these few verses, and we're going to think about these and ponder on these things that Solomon said, and how they apply to us, and how our life can be uh, radically changed by God. Amen? That God can change our life. He can even change our words. God is positive. He is not negative. He don't look to take things away from you. He looks to add things to you. Amen. Life is better with God than it is without God. Amen. He created in me a clean heart. He created in me a pure spirit. Amen. And he has made me new and afresh by being born again. And I'm so thankful for that. How many of you are thankful Amen. this morning that you're born again by the presence of God? Proverbs 10, 19 through 21. Let's stand as we read. These verses, King Solomon speaking, says too much talk leads to sin. (laughs) Look to your neighbor and say, don't talk too much. You'll be (laughs) sinning, right? I'm glad uh, Solomon figured that out. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm trying to be encouraging to you. (laughs) Just shut up. Just shut up, right? Man, I didn't know the Bible talked like this. It's pretty awesome. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of a fool is worthless. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools destroyed by the lack of common sense. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I thank you for a room full of people. Lord, that you're working on their life. Lord, that you haven't abandoned them, you haven't given up on them. But Lord, you are actively engaged in transforming lives at Bethesda. God, I pray today that you would awaken our minds and our hearts in our spirit, man, to be able to understand what your word says to us. Let us apply these words into our daily lives as we live throughout the remainder of our years. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before you sit down, let your neighbor and say, Don't talk too much, shut up. I love being able to tell people in church to shut up. You may be seated. As I think about these words coming from King Solomon, a word, a a man that had a lot of words. He had a lot of things to say. He had lots of wisdom. He had lots of knowledge. He had lots of ability to uh, articulate what God was saying to humanity. And We, as people of God, need to understand that the words we speak should be chosen wisely. We need to choose wisely the words we speak. And in the culture and in the world we live in today, sometimes our words will travel farther than what they would for previous generations. Amen? Amen? I know for a fact that behind the scenes on jobs, that HR directors go back and look at Facebook prior to hiring people. Think about that a moment. They go back and look at what you post, what you say, and things that you, and and it makes up your character. Your words haunt you, and they'll haunt your future. If they'll haunt your future As wanting employment, how much more will they haunt us when we stand before God? Oh, me, Uh (laughs) including me. (laughs) That's scary. The Bible says that you'll give account for every idle word. When you stand before God, every idle word that we speak, we will give an account for. That should scare us to death about how we speak, about things we say. So as I think about this, that, that Solomon was talking about how wise words matter, I think we need to understand today that even more so in our generation, in our lifetime, our words matter even the more. So as we think about what we should say, it's, it's given ourselves a little bit of ability, some time to think about some things. And how many's ever been guilty of saying something too fast? Of speaking before you think? In the moment, in the situation, in in that uh, intense moment, maybe you're in an argument. Maybe you're in a in a in a state of of uh, of discomfort, of of where that you're uh, in a, in a moment where the people's getting on your nerves. Amen. Does anybody ever get on anybody's nerves? Yes. Amen. Have you ever had anybody get on your nerves? Amen. Dusty's pointing at Albie. Alby gets on his nerves. <laughs> D said Dana gets on his nerves. So sometimes it may be your siblings, maybe your spouse, it may be your boss, it could be anybody. But in understanding this, uh, throughout this series, we're trying to learn wisdom, and we said all along that wisdom is how to apply the knowledge we've already got. So I want to—I think there's enough people in this room today has already got knowledge about the right thing to say. The reason I say that is because you are born with a conscience. Every person in this room was born with a conscience. The word conscience means with knowledge. So that means you're born with knowledge to know right from wrong. I've said this multiple times before. A little kid, they, the, the, we're born into sin, the lifestyle of sin, and, and we know right from wrong. And even though you, a, little, a kid like a Little edger running around the back row back there, he knows right from wrong. Sometimes they'll say, no, 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 no. It's usually one of the first words kids learn. It's the very beginning of their vocabulary. They don't learn to say yes. Am I telling the truth? They learn to say no first. No, 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 no. They always say no. It's our sin nature. And it it haunts us even into our adult life. We tell God, no, 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 no. Because we're so immature. Amen? God wants us to say yes. The Bible says that, that his words are yea and amen. That's, that's what his word is to us, that his, his promises are true. They're yes and amen. So if God is positive and he says yes and amen to things, what should we do? If we're taking on his nature as a Christian, if we're in his likeness as a Christian, we should be yes people. I've heard on job sites people make fun of somebody because they're somebody that always takes care of business. If boss comes up to them and asks them to go uh, take out the trash, they don't say, well, why? They don't say, well, why don't so-and-so do it? Or why don't you make Billy Bob do it? He ain't done it for four weeks. The people will call him a yes-man. Have you ever heard that about somebody? They'll they'll say, oh, they're just a yes-man. What's wrong with that? There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a yes man. I want to be a yes man. And my my boss at work, he, he tells us all the time, he says, don't come to me with a problem. Come to me with three solutions to the problem you're facing so I can help lead you out of your problem. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I did that same thing with some people. They come to me and say, well, here's the problem. I said, do you got any solutions for it? They said, what are you talking about? I was hoping you'd tell me. I I ain't telling you nothing. You go back and get you some solutions. Come back to me. I'll pick which one I like. And I reserve the right to not pick any of your solutions, to pick my own solution. But I want you to come up and think for yourself. God wants us to be thinking for ourselves. He don't just reprogram us to where we're just so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. It's awful quiet in here. But this series is about teaching us how to apply God's word. So how are we going to do that? If we're talking about words today, how are we going to apply what God's word says about our words? How are we going to figure that out? Wisdom's going to teach us how to do that. Wisdom. How to apply those words. Do you have any problems in your life? I want to show off hands. How many has got a problem right now? Something going on. There's a problem. Uh, a lot of people, go, a lot of people raising their hands. You know what we get out of a problem? A Solution. You know, some people begin life with certain problems, and they go all through life, and they end up dying with the same problems. It's true. How many know some people that's been dealing with the same problems for years? Amen. Maybe even decades. Yeah. <laughs> generations. generations, even, yeah. Passed down from generation to generation. The Bible's very clear about that. That the sins of the fathers <laughs> go to generations deep. Amen. But also the same passage talks about how the blessings yep. will go to generations so what do we want to be in our future generations? But wha- how are we going to get out of the problem that we're dealing with? Whatever you raised your hand about, today I want you to decide how are you going to get out of that. And ask God, God, I don't understand this problem that I'm going through, but if I've thought about it a lot, and I think there's these three solutions, God, that will help get me out of this. I want you to write it down. I want you to go home and make you a notebook paper and write down, here's my problem. You don't have to show it to the whole world. You don't have to tell everybody else. You don't even have to tell it to your your spouse, per se. You can write down, here's my problem. Here's three solutions, God, I think is to these problems. And let God pick one of those solutions or let him give you a solution that's maybe not even on your list. Because if you deal with that problem, if you allow God to deal with that problem in your life and he offers you a solution and says, do this, if you do it, your life will change. Apparently there's nobody in the room who wants to change anything. You know why? Because human nature is we don't like change. Amen. There's nobody in this room that just like, somebody comes to you and changes something, you jump up and down, and yes, woo, I was waiting on change, so happy it makes, I just can't wait to change I got up this morning just hoping to change you don't believe me, go try it go home and change something Leslie changes this week on me guy made me mad, mom called said she's coming over to the house, Leslie's like okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean up a little bit tidy up a little bit, mom and dad's coming over She takes my boots and my shoes, and she takes my coats, which I I leave my coats on the chairs of the table at the home, right in the front room, living room, when I come in the kitchen, when I come through the door, put my coat on the chair, and I take my shoes off right by that chair. That's why I do it every day. But when I come home that night, there's no shoes... I've usually got like three or four pairs of shoes around there. That way I can pick which pair of shoes I want, right? Yeah, I got three coats on the kitchen table because I like, I, one day I want to wear my leather jacket, one day I want my UK jacket, next day I might like one of my other jackets. I got all kinds of coats on my chairs. That, that's like my coat rack because my habit is to do that. It's a habit that I do. I like it to be accessible where I need it when I need it. And you don't believe me that you don't want to change? Look at my shoes I got on today. This look like church shoes. These are my work boots. You know where they were sitting this morning when I got up? They were sitting at the kitchen table because I took them off there yesterday. Because I don't like change. She moved all my stuff in a closet. Heaven forbid that my coats and my shoes would be in a closet. That would be awful. You know what I'm saying? Like a closet with... Coat racks and hangers that, that was built to, to store stuff. If my shoes are on the floor, my coats are on hangers, that'd be awful. So I ended up with my work boots on at church. These are, I'm glad there's not any dirt on them or anything. It's bad. They don't look real good, but I'm wearing them. You know why? Because I don't like change. I'm not going to walk 15 extra steps and go to the closet and get my shoes. I'm going to put on the ones that are sitting by the kitchen table because I don't like change. Nobody likes change. Hired in a new job recently. Got some ideals. See some things that's kind of jumbled up that don't work real well. It's a, it's a bad process. I said, well, why don't we change? No, no we, we, we have always done it this way is that the words of a dying church? It's the seven most deadly words to the church. We've never done it that way before. When churches die, it's when people get in the mindset and the mode to say, I'm not willing to change. We've always been this way, and I'm always going to be this way. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to change. Not just change clothes every day. You should do that, right? You should change clothes every day. That should be, part of, but you should change some of your actions and your reactions. You should change. Most of all, I think if if we want to truly change to become more like God, one of the biggest things that most Christians they'll change. Maybe uh, I've seen Christians that dressed one way. Once they got saved, they started dressing a little different. I saw people that uh, uh, never did attend church on Sunday. All of a sudden, they get saved. They start coming to church. They, They become a Christian. Then they start coming to church. They'll change their actions. They'll get up on Sunday to come to church. They'll change a few things like that. But one of the number one hardest things you'll ever change in your life is how you talk. I know some seasoned saints that say things that hurt. And they've tried, and they've tried, and they've tried to change what they say, and they can't tackle it. They've never been able to overcome saying hurtful things. Seasoned, Been saved a long, long time. And one of the ones I'm talking about is standing in front of you today. I say things I should not say. I say hurtful words from time to time and I wish I could take them back but once they're said, they're said. You've heard on playgrounds when you're small, when you're in grade school, sticks and stones. I want you to say that real loud. That's a lie from the pits of hell bible's full of proverbs little one line quote sayings of truth of god's scripture that's not in scripture but that's one thing we decide when we're little you know and it it's a a little cliche proverb that kids say so that they they'll they'll make their friends feel like that you know you can say whatever you want about me or my mom or whatever or whoever you can talk about me or whatever it ain't gonna hurt me but if you come at me with a stick and hit me with a stick that's gonna hurt or if you throw a rock at me and hit me with a rock that's gonna hurt but it's absolutely a lie to say that words don't hurt. I'm preaching better than you're amening. I'm 100% behind that this morning. You need to be a little more clear saying, I agree with you, Pastor. That's what Whenever you say amen, that's meaning you're agreeing with me. I'm telling you, words hurt. Anybody that don't know that words hurt, don't know very much. I'm telling you, words travel for generations deep. Amen. Hurts travel throughout time, and it's impossible to get those words back. So we've got to be super cautious on what we say. Yeah. And if we want wisdom, we've got to know, uh, you know what, who, what, where, when, why, and how thing. We did the first week so that we can understand what wisdom is. you got to know when to say something. <laughs> You've got to know why to say it and how to say it. Amen. You need to know how to do that. Because if you don't have those things down, you even though you might be saying something that's, that's a, a kind word, but maybe it's not the time to say it. Maybe it's a time when somebody's not listening. Maybe their ears are plugged. Maybe they don't understand or they're not willing to open up their mind at that moment to hear what you've got to say. There's a timing involved in saying things. Yeah. And I'm understanding this today. When, when Proverbs is written that Solomon's talking about this, he's telling people in this chapter that you need to watch what you say he says in lots of words <laughs> isn't it amazing in lots of words in saying lots of words you're sinning I heard somebody say this one time at a, on a job he was talking about somebody that during break time they would talk the whole entire break you ever had anybody like that around they just talk the whole time you're around them don't ever shut up they just talk and, I was, I was, and he was talking about this person he said you know what he said I think they talk until they think of something to say. <laughs> I, I believe that. That's really true because some people talk so much that I think they talk until they think of something to say. They've never thought through what they're talking about. They, they don't try to pick the right word for the moment. They don't try to articulate in a clear way so that people understand. I want to have understanding. I want people to understand what I'm talking about. I want to uh, get the point across. So my point to you today is you've got to watch what you say. And you shouldn't say so much. So the number one way to avoid saying the wrong things is don't talk too much. Look at your neighbor and say, that sounds way too simple. <laughs> That's, that sounds way too simple. I'm trying to give you key points. I'm trying to give you wisdom of how to, how to overcome some problems in your life. And I guarantee you one of the problems is you talk too much. Myself included. I'm preaching at Pastor Ben today too. It's not just me. Point your finger back and say, this is me. Uh, he, he's talking to me. That's Pastor Ben included. We're all involved in this. So no, number one way to overcome not saying the wrong thing is don't talk too much. Don't talk too much. Don't talk too much. I don't think anybody got it. Don't talk too much. Don't talk too much. I want you to point your finger at eight people and tell them, eight different people, don't talk too much. Don't talk too much. Don't talk too much. You don't talk too much. You're not allowed to talk too much. Quit talking so much. Quit talking so much. You're saying too much. Don't talk too much. Don't talk too much. They say if you hear something eight times, you'll remember it. So if I can't get anything else across to you today, if I'm going to spend 45 minutes talking to you today, it's going to be about don't talk too much. I hope you get that one, that one point. The next thing that King Solomon says here in Proverbs ten nineteen, it says be simple and keep your mouth shut. It just makes sense. It absolutely makes sense to not talk too much. That's reasonable. That makes sense to me. Even even my foggy, unclear head can imagine that yeah, that's right. It makes a lot of sense don't talk too much. Because if I don't talk too much, then I won't say the wrong thing as much. Oh me. Oh my. Sweet baby, say goodbye. One of your problems is you talk too much. One of your problems is you talk too much. I'm going to get the T.D. Jakes preaching mode here and hold the mic in my hand right up against my mouth until it floods through the speaker and it starts fizzing like that and a little bit of it is don't talk too much. I love it that this scripture is teaching us very simple things that we can apply. Because if I keep it simple, even I'll be able to do it. So I'm giving you this challenge this week. When you want to talk, stop. When you want to talk this week, when somebody's getting on your last nerve, when it seems like that they're talking too much and you got to feel like that you've got to give your point of view and you feel like you need to talk about what you're wanting to talk about, it's the moment where that this I'm hoping this this uh, sermon today is going to ring back through your mind and you're going to think, man, this is the moment Pastor Ben was talking about. I can feel my blood pressure raising. I can feel like that I need to come across with my point. i got to tell them what I think. I feel like I, I've got to do this. It's urging me. I, but in that moment, I hope and pray that you will keep your mouth shut. I hope you're conscious that God has equipped you with will say, hey, don't talk so much. In the moment. Because in those moments is when words are said that hurts people's feelings and their feelings don't get unhurt. You don't believe me? Hurt somebody's feelings and then try to earn hurt them. Say something to somebody in the wrong way, in the wrong tone, and see if it don't hurt their feelings, and then try to unhurt those feelings. You cannot do it. It's impossible. The only way they can ever get unhurt is whenever forgiveness is is, uh, applied and forgiveness is accepted. Only when God's true, unfailing love is applied in their heart and they understand forgiveness the way God says that forgiveness is supposed to be. That they will, uh, somebody will say, I uh, I asked for your forgiveness, and you'll say, Okay, I forgive you. Aunt Mary's good at this. She can get mad at you one minute, mad enough to fight. I mean, you can see it in her Her face, starts blotching and she's red and mad and shaking and quivering. She'll walk away three minutes later. Give me a minute, Mary. Okay, I'll forgive you. Then she's just like, hey, how, how you been? And they don't bother her from there on out. Ain't all right, right, Bubba? Bubba's the exact opposite. You make Bubba mad, he'll remember it 10 years from now. You remember when you said that? <laughs> it's the exact opposite. Forgiveness is hard. Apparently nobody in this room's ever had to deal with forgiveness. I said forgiveness is hard. If anybody's ever said something to you that hurts your feelings, their words hurt your feelings, it's hard to forgive them. Words do hurt. Sure, a stick will break your bone. Sure, a stone will crack your head. <laughs> right? But words go deeper than that. And Solomon is telling us here that we need to understand wisdom in a way that we got to keep our mouth shut. Some of the wisest people I know are people that can sit back and just hold it in silence. And make me wonder, why are they thinking? What are they thinking? Why are they quiet right now? When I'm the one up... Those quiet, reserved people who are very cautious with their words are wise people. I don't know if you know anybody like that. I hope and pray right now that you're thinking about someone in your life. Somebody that's reserved, that holds back, and you saw them in the moment, in the heat of the moment, where that they should have said something, but they just sat quiet for just a moment. Maybe it took them a day or two, and then they said something, and it was the right thing, the right time, in the right way, and it worked where the rest of us would have said, well, here's what I think. I think you ought to be doing this. I think you ought to be doing that. And we get ourselves in trouble because we talk too soon. Think about what you say and say what you think. Maybe I need to say that again for people writing it down. Think about what you say and say what you think. Be cautious with what you think though. Because if you say what you think, sometimes you're going to get yourself in trouble. Wisdom will teach you. And as I was thinking about these words and how Solomon is teaching us that wisdom is something, the way to apply to our words, the things we say, that there's wisdom in that, that it needs to be something that helps us uh, get our point across and articulate and be clear and focused and precise on what we're saying and when we're saying it and how we're saying it, that, that wisdom will be applied to our words in a way that where that we can, we can truly change our problems. It can truly change our life. And I begin to think about, God, how, how are you involved in this process? How have you changed once Jesus come to How many knows when Jesus came, everything changed? Everything changed. I really believe that, that when he, uh, the moment at the conception, when Mary, the angel announced to Mary, You will be with child and, and your son is going to rule the nations and all these things, you know, that we studied about at Christmas time, that as Jesus came, everything changed. If it changed the world, if by Jesus coming, changed the world, how much should Jesus coming into your heart change your life? A Christian should be changed. A Christian should be moving and going in a direction towards God, not away from God. A Christian should be a person that knows that words are important and how we say it is even more so important. So as Jesus changed the world, how has he changed you? I want to make this individual. If Jesus changed the whole world, he changed the calendar, he changed everything, and how has he changed you? Do you still talk like you used to talk? You may clothe yourself differently. You may try to uh, handle your actions a little differently because you're a Christian. Maybe some of your old habits you've broken by the power of Jesus. But how has he changed your mouth? How has he changed your words. I pray that we've all changed by Jesus. But most of all, as I begin to think about this and go that direction with it, that how has Jesus changed things? There's, there's his disciples that Jesus lived with for three years, and he brought them into ministry, and he traveled with them for three years, and he tried to uh, change their life and, and cause them to jump the great divide of who you was to who you're supposed to be. Jesus wants you to get from where you are to where you're supposed to be. There's a greater dimension. I love it that T.D. Jakes, I love his messages that he talks about, you know, I'm going to take you to the next level. I'm going I'm to take you to a new height. I'm going to get you where you're supposed to be. How many wants to live in the next dimension? where the God takes us to the next place, to, away from where I am, away from where I used to be to the place He designed me to be. I want to get to where God uses me the way He wants to use me. But i got to get from where I was to where I'm supposed to be. And as I begin to think through that and, and ponder about that, I was, I was thinking about how Jesus changed everything. And He lived with these disciples for three years. He couldn't get through to them. Couldn't get through to them. Three years. Then I begin to think about myself. I pastored you guys for five years. Some of you are dealing with the same problems that you were dealing with when I got here. Some things have never changed. There's some people in this room that's dealing with the same issues that you dealt with 20 years ago. I can't, I can't make you do anything. My only job is to try to tell you what God is saying and hope that you'll heed the warning and try to change. Attempt. Make a move. The only way things are going to change is for you to change. So, if Jesus changes my life, begin to think about, God, if you sent Jesus here on this earth and he spent three years with people, the very Son of God The one that changed the calendar picked 12 people. He's like, I know I can't change everybody. That's a good insight right there. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't change everybody. (laughs) There are just a few. (laughs) You'll be lucky if you get out of this world changing a few people's lives. Jesus picked 12. He's like, I tell you what, I'm going to pick 12. I'm going to try to work on these. He worked on them for three years. One of them was in... (laughs) and manipulated and twisted by the devil himself. You know his name? Judas Iscariot. He's he's the one that we we read about in scripture know that he was used by the enemy. He's the one that caused Jesus. He He was sold for 30 pieces of silver. He's the one that was manipulated. Jesus spent three years with this guy trying to get him to change. He didn't change one iota. In the same way Peter, he worked on him for three years. Peter didn't change much either. The night Jesus died, Peter pulled a sword out and cut a man's ear off because his anger issue. Anybody else got an anger issue? Amen. Yeah. Amen. God, that's me. Yeah. I don't know if you know it or not. Yeah, I like think you do. I got an anger issue. So, as Jesus tried to change his people, he couldn't do it in three years. He, he just wasn't able to succeed. And he said, It's to your benefit. It's to your benefit that I go away. Come on, somebody. It's to your benefit that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. Because when you're empowered, when you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, you're going to change. There's a shift. That's from getting where you are to where you're supposed to be. So you can read all the way through the New Testament. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see that when Jesus is there, he's trying to work on people and he's giving them words and he's telling them in, Matthew, or in John chapter 6, Jesus is there and he's selling he's on one side of the sea and he feeds 5,000 people and they chase him and the, the disciples go across the, the ocean and they get to the other, side, other shore on the other side and Jesus gets over there and he comes over there the next day and the people come to him and he gets to talk to him, and he tells them, I'm the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am sent by my Father to change this world. Because the only way the Holy Spirit will ever come is for Jesus to make people right with God. Come on, somebody. The only way Jesus, that the Holy Spirit can come and indwell a, a heart of a believer is when they believe in Jesus Christ. You cannot be indwelt by the Holy Spirit if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus came to clean you. He cleaned the room inside of your heart. He cleaned out the junk so that the Holy Spirit could move in. Yes, it's to your benefit that I go away and the Holy Spirit will come. Amen. And Jesus tell him, I'm the bread of life. I'm the one, if you taste of me, if you will eat of my body and drink of my blood, talking about communion, fellowship with Jesus, if you will believe in me, if you will believe that I'm sin of the Father, I'm the Son of God, it's all going to change. And all of them's there, and they're like, I can't understand this. I can't figure this out. There's some things you just can't figure out about God. You need to get over that right now. There's some things on this side of eternity that you will never figure out about God. Nobody in this room is a know-it-all when it comes to Scripture. Nobody in this room is a know-it-all when it comes to God. I don't have a a monopoly on the words of God. Jesus is telling them this. They say, I don't understand. Some of them walk away. Jesus said these words. I think it's John 6, 60-something, like 63, somewhere thereabout. It says, these words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. I listened to a sermon this week by T.D. Jakes, and he's talking about how that some people think that Jesus came. He, he didn't come to say that you may have life. Or he didn't say, Jesus didn't say, it's John chapter 10, he didn't say that I've come that you can have church. He, he said he came so that you can have life. Some people come to church to leave life. We're all guilty, ain't we? We come to church so that we can get a little bit of taste Of what heaven will be like. And get away from our life that we live on a weekly basis. Jesus didn't come that you could have church. Jesus came that you could have life. And life more abundantly. I don't want you to just feel God when you're in this room. I want you to feel God when you're in the heat of the moment when you need to shut up. Jesus says, these words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Next few verses, it says that many of the believers there, they were in that synagogue that day, listened to Jesus talk. He said, these words are too hard. I can't understand. And it says they walked away. I've seen people get real close to God, Dusty. I've seen people come in these rooms of these buildings that we call churches and get within the one-yard line of a touchdown moment in her life where that things could change. Amen. And they get scared and say, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of feeling like that there's pressure against me. And they turn around and just walk away. Ernie. Sure. Amen. Amen. Pastor Wells prophesied one time that Graceland Church was a church that was on the one-yard line of hell. people from going to hell. <laughs> but I've saw the other end of the field, not the hell end. I've saw the change in where the people get within one yard line turn around and walk away <coughs> saying I can't do it no more <laughs> and they give up Amen. at the brink at the moment when things are getting ready to change. Jesus was teaching bring the bread of heaven and talking about them eating his flesh and he's like i don't want none of that steak if you go to sliding off a piece of your arm and try to feed it to me i'm not going to eat it they couldn't understand it because some things are spiritually discerned not earthly discerned your carnal mind cannot understand the things of god amen so as jesus does this and he says And all these people start walking out of the synagogue that day. It'd be like right now, me talking to you right now, and you just getting up and walking out and saying, I don't want to hear it no more. I'm I'm done, I'm never going to change, I'm going to stay the way I am forever. There's no hope for me. Just get up and walk out. And the ones that walk out, Jesus just lets them keep going. Finally, he looks around, there's 12 people sitting there with him. 12 disciples left with him. Jesus says these words, Will you leave me also? You going to leave me too? Peter, being the one who always speaks up, said, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. To whom else shall we go? Who else are we going to hear from? If Jesus' words were that important to Peter, think about this. How important should they be to us? You want to know how to cure your problems? It's this little book that you never read. I'm guilty myself. There's days that I go without reading this right here. I try my best. I do my best to have a, a, a... Daily devotion, all those things that, you know, the tools, I've got it on my phone. I've got every way I can get it, but there's days that I'll go that I'll get in the moment and forget and get in a big busy hurry and wake up too late out of bed. And Anybody with me? Everybody say, I love you, Pastor Ben. (laughs) All right, so as these things happen, even to me, I know that they're happening to you. What if we was like Peter and says, Jesus, to whom else should we go? I don't want to go to a self-help book from Suze Orman about my finances. Maybe I'll get a better amen over on this side. I don't want to go to Suze Orman to get a better idea about my finances. If I want to learn how to deal with my finances, I don't need to go to Suze Orman. I need to go to the Word of God because it talks about being a good steward. It talks about uh, saving. It talks about all this Bible is full of how to fix your life. It's full of words, and those words are positive in nature. They're not negative. God's not looking to tear your life down. He's looking to build your life up. How many Peters are in the room today that will say to God today, God, to whom else shall I go? Where else can I go to get everlasting life? Where else can I go to read a word that comes illuminated off the page to me and applies to my heart and changes my life from that point forward? That there's some scripture you read that you can memorize right now that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the Son of God because of words on these pages. I'm starting to sweat. I've got to quit. Words are important. To whom else shall we go? I ain't got nowhere else to go. The only person that's ever fixed anything in my life is God. Amen? Amen. The only one that's ever fixed anything in my life is God. And today he's trying to tell me to watch my words. Amen. I know he can fix me. Amen. He can make, he can, <laughs> just like Isaiah. Isaiah. What did Isaiah say when God was, the, the angel come there and was talking, and God was talking to Isaiah, and Isaiah was saying, Whom shall I send, and who shall go for me, God is saying. And Isaiah said, Don't send me, God. I'm a man of unclean lips. Amen. Yes. Read it in Isaiah. I'm a man of unclean lips. I can't go, God. I don't talk right. There There's things that you can't do in the kingdom of God. There's things you can't do in church because you don't talk right. God's not using you because you won't shut up. But Isaiah cried out and said, here am I, God, send me. But whenever he did, then the moment he said, God, use me, do something with me, is the moment that the angel come down to the altar, picked up a coal, and touched his lips. It's time for God to burn your mouth. I want the altar to touch you today. I want the angel of God to come down the same way he did for Isaiah. For God, there's no respecter of persons. He cares as much about you as he did Isaiah that day because he's got a work for you to do. But he knows if you will uh, humble yourself today and say, God, I've uh, got unclean lips. I'll admit to you, God, I can't do what you want me to do because I don't talk right. If there's anybody in this room today that wants to change, I'm telling you today's your day. There's another dimension. Today can be the moment where God can equip you to do something for his kingdom. I'm ready for the angels to be dispatched today. Amen. And I want to pick up some things from the altar Hallelujah. and come back and burn your mouth to shut it. Yes. Yes, you, you can't fix yourself. Some things only happen <laughs> by the power of God. His spirit working on the inside of you, won't you stand? Yes. I'll never shut up I'm talking about words, I guess. 11 of Proverbs chapter 10, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain, the words of the wicked conceal violent intentions, hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. Wise words come from the lips of people with understanding, but those lacking sense will be beaten with a rod. Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. What if God's little quick sayings and proverbs changes your life today? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. How many in this room today will say, Pastor Ben, God is dealing with me. And I feel like he's telling me that there is another place, another dimension that I'll go. How many will raise your hand and say, I feel like God is wanting to take me to a new dimension. He's wanting to take me to a new place. He's working on my heart today and I can sense him wanting to change me in this place. Anybody else? Put your hands down. I hope and pray that the ones that raised their hand will be willing to say, God, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a woman of unclean lips. I don't talk the way I'm supposed to. And it hinders me from doing what you've called me to do. Lord, change me. Change me. Same way you did Isaiah. Change me. And I'm praying today. God, I ask, as the pastor of this congregation, Lord, that you will dispatch angels at this moment. And Lord, around the altars of God, where the consuming fire of God ever burns, Lord, I pray that you will pick up coals with those angels and they will carry it at this very moment. And Lord, that they will touch the mouth of each individual that raised their hand. Lord, those that was humble enough to say, God, I don't talk right sometimes. Those in this place that say, that are humble enough to say, my mouth gets me in trouble. Lord, you're going to change them today. Lord, I pray dispatch angels even now at this moment. Lord, that you would empower them with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you have cleaned their hearts first. But, Lord, that you would empower the Holy Spirit to speak through them. Give words of knowledge, words of wisdom, God, just like you say in your word. God, I pray for some of us that are so hard-hearted and are so caught up in our ways. God, that we're unwilling to change. And, Lord, that in our stubbornness, God, that you would change our hearts today to see that our words get us in trouble. Lord, that we say the wrong things and we hurt people. Let your praise be what's ever on our lips. in this room just repeat this prayer for me say heavenly father i come to you in jesus name clean my heart clean my mouth let me say the words that you give me to say let me read your word let me apply it to my life that will you will change me from the inside out Lord, I pray, change me today. Let other people recognize that I am changed, that something has shifted, that I'm going to the next dimension, that I'm getting closer to you. Change me this year. Give me wisdom. Give me the words, and I'll say them in Jesus' name.